This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery. Bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the besotted Pride of West London podcast. And we're feeling a little bit more relaxed this week. Um, after last week's shenanigans, we decided to go on the road last week and we actually met up in a pub. And uh, we were fairly jolly by the time we came on to air, so we kind of expressed a few things, but it was quite a good laugh. But anyway, this week we were in more kind of subtle, chilled out surroundings. I'm Billy Grant. And I'm here with my mates, Mr. Dave Lane. How are you doing today, Dave? Hello. It's good. And Mr. Matt Allard as well. Hello, Matt. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Oh, good, yeah. You all seem very, very pre-Christmas relaxed here. Yeah, I've, I've taken time out from uh, searching for a uh, toy Zuzu hamster that someone's asked for this Christmas that I can't find anywhere, so... Any any bees out there know the whereabouts of one? Uh, drop us an email, please. Yes, please do. Besotted1992 at gmail.com. But anyway, we're going to try and pick things up a bit because we, we've wound down after the weekend because we've got so excited that we uh, we got back onto winning ways, as a lot of you know, after the disappointing loss at Huddersfield, which was probably a little bit unlucky. We came back and Blackburn came down with the firepower uh, fire of Gestet and Jordan Rhodes. And they weren't good enough for the mighty, mighty bees who took them out 3-1 on Saturday. And again, after the match, the fans were absolutely delighted. So we managed to chat to a load of Brentford fans, a load of Blackburn fans. And we also spoke to Mr. Odebarju and Mr. Diagora as well after the match. And this is what they had to say. Moses, that was a game and a half, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a good game. You know, delighted to, to get the result that we needed to bounce back from a defeat last week, you know, and it's, it's good always to play at home and win. Well, it was, it was one, one run at a time, you know, so you can't be gutted, you've got to keep doing what you're doing. And as we went into the break, you know, the, the manager said to us that, you know, we've got, to, we've got to keep playing and and as we keep playing the second half, we've got two goals. Yeah, you know, once we, once we play our stuff, you know, it's hard for most teams in the league to, to keep up with us, so I'm just thankful that we've won, you know. Now, we're not saying we're going to be promoted or anything like that, but I ain't seen six teams that are better than us this season. 
No, it's, just, <laughs> it's tough to say, you know, there's, there's big teams in the league, so just to see how it goes. Listen, I've got the man, Tamani. Listen, you're enjoying this season, aren't you, Tamani? Yeah, very enjoying it. You know? You know, we're doing well, the whole team is doing well, it's, it's a pleasure. Listen, I mean, you came inside there and the Brentford fans have a lot of respect for you because you turned around and you went, listen, I ain't going Coventry, I ain't going Portsmouth, I ain't going nowhere. I'm staying here and I'm fighting for my place. That's what you said, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I wasn't. I didn't want to go anywhere. You know, this club's going forward, and I want to go forward too. Listen, so it's the best place to be. And the fans love you for that, man. Because as far as you're concerned, you're Brentford through and through, and you got your break this season, and you've taken it fantastically. You know. Yeah, I had to wait for my chance, and once he came around, I knew how to play well, and you know, hopefully I can keep playing well. That's right. Listen, you did a little move, and I can't remember what game it was, but you did a move where it was just some sort of twinkle toes, and you just you twisted from right and left, and you left a couple of players standing. How'd you do that? I don't know. I just <laughs> just instinct, I suppose. <laughs> Listen, Tamari, you're number one man, and really pleased to have you on the side. And tell you something, man. Hope you have a nice night tonight. Come on, you bees. Come on, you bees. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well done. Definitely struggling to find teams that have outclassed us this season. Apart from the Middlesbrough game, where we just didn't play at all. Just about every player had a bad game. Apart from that, we've been holding our own, and more than that. Yeah, like the players are starting to say, the sky's the limit, and you just never know. With Wolves' enthusiasm, you just don't know how far they can take it. It's very exciting times. I was mightily impressed. This is the best football I've seen down at Griffin Park for the last 50 years. And it was brilliant. And on top of that, to come down here and see Brentford beat Blackburn Rovers 3 1 to dream. Back in the day, every Brentford support was quite pessimistic. But today, you just see a different atmosphere down here. Everybody is looking at a different club. This is a dream. Everybody's scared of us. Everybody is. You can see it today. You can see it today. They are scared of us. It's amazing. Little Brentford, ain't little Brentford. A lack, a lack of fighting midfielder, I think, is, is five across the middle is just non-existent at times. It's a st- standard away um, sort of change of team. Five across the middle rather than two up top. And um, usually works. Today, the three in midfield didn't show up in the first half. And that's, you know, I went downhill from there. I'd, uh, I, was, I was thinking a bit of a... Um, it needed a change at half time because I said I said to everyone it was a we were very fortunate to go in with a point at half time. It was a very very poor first half, and um, if we'd, we'd gone in with a point, if we'd have changed it up a little bit, maybe second half push on get something. But if we carried on playing as we were, it just wasn't you know it wasn't going to happen. And I mean, fair play, we weren't particularly great. Brentford were better. I wouldn't say they were as good as I've seen them. Well, yeah, they were much better than us. I cannot stop smiling because I cannot believe how great we are at the moment. Our football, in, our football is, today was fantastic again. Um, we're hard working. We're, we're grinding out results all the time now. I mean, Blackburn were no mugs today. They're very quick on the counter-attack. And we actually, we did them still at like, almost like 50%. I don't know what's happening at the moment with Brentford, but we are very, very good at the moment. Um, there's not many teams that are better than us now at this level. And for us to go up this season and then say there's nearly halfway through the season, there's only a couple of teams that are better than us at this level. Or, or, or better than us that we've played so far. We've played they, so far. They, they might have had an off game. Of off course. Day, I know. mean, we, we've got some great games coming up. We've got Middlesbrough at home, Bournemouth at home, these teams. 
we can get some points off these teams, who knows what's going to happen this season. Great days at Brentford now. It's buzzing now. It's buzzing down here. Before the game, it's buzzing. Everyone's walking around the ground, happy, smiling faces. They come out, even more smiling faces. Fantastic. So get yourself a pint of pride down there, the pride of West London. We are the pride. And I think Harry was down here today watching us, and I think he must be saying, I wish my QPR played like that. So, yes, everyone was again buzzing after the Blackburn match and the realisation that, you know, we were in a very strong position, number five in the table and only a few points off the top. And we're going into Christmas and it's looking pretty spiffy. Um, what do you think of the game on, on Saturday, boys? Um, just another another cracking Griffin Park atmosphere. Um, another brilliant win. Second half performance in particular, I thought was was excellent. Um, yeah, the, you know the, the bandwagon keeps rolling, and you know it's it's just a brilliant time. It's a brilliant, brilliant uh, stage in history where it seems like the whole fortunes of the club's being transformed, and uh, you know the uh, the intake of uh, London pride is, uh, is, uh, is is on the rise as well. I think I, I think I need to cut back a, a little bit because um, uh, I'm getting out. I, my my pre Christmas drinking is uh, is getting a bit too much. It- it was just, um, isn't it brilliant when a team like Blackburn come down and change their, I believe they changed their formation or the way they play because they were playing Brentford at Griffin Park. I just thought that was, um, you know, packing the midfield five players. We just swapped, swapped it around a little bit, brought Hotter in, he played wide. Um, and yeah, mega, another mega performance. And I mean, talking about mega performances as well, I mean, a bit of a shout out's got to go out to a man that we've discussed a couple of times on this podcast before, is Mr. Harley Dean, who won the Besotted uh, Player of the Match. People can vote for it on the Besotted website, and he voted Player of the Match, I think, with probably nearly 50% of the vote. Fair play to Harley. He had a good game, didn't he? Yeah, he, he had a great game. It's, it's, you know, we earlier on in the season, we were wondering whether, you know, he should be playing or whether Tarky should be playing. And, you know, you just can't, you can't drop. You can't drop Dean in, in in this kind of form. Maybe a suspension comes along, but um, you know, it's it's, it's a difficult one for Tarky now. He, he can't be happy on the bench, and you know, he, he, we need him to stay match fit. So um, it's it's really difficult. I, you know, you can you can actually see why this this defence is picking itself at the moment. Um, but I, I am slightly concerned about the match fitness of Tarky, and the development games aren't quite enough. So is he getting enough game time? So um, but yeah, you're right. Harley Dean, it's, he's just he's just wears his heart on his sleeve. He, I felt sorry for him when he got that deflection and the ball went in the back of the net. There's absolutely nothing you could do. Um, it wasn't a mistake. Um, and he's just inspiring. Um, the, the the fans vibe off of him. The other players vibe off of him. You need that kind of general at the back, and you know he, he's providing it. Craig. So Tony Craig looked like he was that kind of player before, and he seems quite quiet now. Um, he's still he's still rock solid at the back, but you kind of kind of don't really notice him as much. I mean, talking about Tarkovsky, I mean there are, and this is all again, it's always terrorist rumours, and we sometimes enjoy the terrorist rumours because sometimes they're not true at all, but it gives us something to chat about before the game in the pub, something about after the pub, and there's rumours flying around saying that you know maybe to get match fitness, Tarkovsky. Maybe off to a Division One side in January in in the loan window, just to kind of, uh, just you know, just to get him get him out there and get him match fit. Division One side, bringing him back on immediate um, recall if anything happens. And how, how, what do you reckon? Um, maybe not the 
best thing if um, you get centre-back sent off in the first 20 minutes of a game, who comes on? Um, you get an injury in the, you know, walk into the, walk into the ground or something. You know what I mean. But uh, I, I'm not sure because I think you need three fit, strong centre-backs at the club all the time, personally. Oh, I'd agree with that. You know, I, I think it. Um, I could, I could see the, I could see the reasoning for doing it. I, I don't think it should be done. You know, that, I was kind of alluding to that when I when I mentioned it as his match fitness. But, um, you know, other, other teams have uh, have, a, have, a, have a cracking fullback or centre back on the bench. You know, why not us? So, um, it's it's about keeping players happy. I understand at the same time, but you know, he'll get his chance again of, of that. I'm absolutely sure. And, I- I recognise the match fitness thing, but I think it's probably not just him. Um, although maybe the other players at least get 10 or 15 minutes, you know, every couple of weeks or whatever. So, yeah, it's a difficult one. And looking around the club as well, just seeing what else of the bits of news there are. Um, I mean, probably a po- positive bit of news that came in today was about Alex Pritchard. And uh, obviously he's been playing really well. There was a bevy of scouts down at uh, Huddersfield, apparently, to watch him. Um, you know, he's a good bit of PR, you know, he plays for England, you know, he's had the Tottenham side PRing him, he's obviously had his agent PRing him, lots of people PRing him, so he's in the news, and uh, when you're in the news, that brings it brings people down. You know, we had Harry Redknapp down last weekend, you know, according to Matthew Benham, he was down there to see a couple of Blackburn players, but other people saying he's come to see Pritchard, he's come to see Gray, who knows? But then there's a bit of news that came out today to say that Tottenham are going to leave Pritchard with us for the January and then they're going to see whether or not they're going to renew his contract in the summer, which can only be good news for the bees, isn't it? Yeah, um, I think it's good news for the player as well. Um, the last thing he needs at the moment is, is to be unsettled and going somewhere else. Um, it's quite clear that he's a central part of this Brentford team this season. Whether that's for next season or not, only time will tell. Whether he's out of our, you know, whether he's out of our league in terms of what kind of transfer fee Tottenham might might want for him if you actually did become available you know again we'll see at some stage in the future but you know he 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 likes it clearly at Brentford he fits into this ethos he's he's a, he's a tremendous hard worker he's exactly what this Brentford team's all about um he doesn't need to go somewhere else he doesn't need to earn more money somewhere else and be a so-called bigger club he just needs to be knuckling down and sort of galvanizing his reputation and sort of you know just proving what a, what a cracking prospect he is. You can you can only do that in the first team, and to do that in the championship is uh, is not is going to is going to do no, no harm whatsoever for him. Yeah, if I was advising him, that'd be my advice: stay at Brentford. You're playing every game, um, and just you're in the shop window, and then we'll see what happens in the summer. I mean, it's interesting you say that. I mean, we I was unfortunate to bump into to into his old man. And also his agent, uh, a couple of months ago this was. And this, you know, this was a conversation that we had, just talking about Brentford. And it was really refreshing to hear that he actually, they, all of them, really loved Brentford, loved what Brentford were doing for their son, you know, the, the, you know, their player and their son. His old man was just raving about that. You know, the agent was saying it's actually fantastic here. They, they could see the development. And, and that was two months ago. And I thought to myself, hold on a second here. You know, you could go back to Tottenham if you wanted to. You could sit there, you could do development games. But you seem to be really happy here, and also the people around you seem to be very happy as well. So I thought that was a positive sign. So fingers crossed, you know, he's got people around him that are rising the right way, and uh, he'll actually kind of stay on past the January, and hopefully for us, he'll do a, a you know, a, a you know, a bid well, 
or a Harley Dean where they're you know playing for bigger clubs, but they turn around and say, actually, listen, if I get my feet stuck in here, I'm actually going to get myself a bit of a bit of a career and a bit of a reputation, and I'm better off doing it with a club like this. It's a couple of people in the pub Saturday were saying that they think he's good enough to uh, to go back to Tottenham and uh, get a first team place, but. You know, if, if if that were if even if that were the case, he, he is quite a form player. If his form dips, he, he'd be replaced quite quickly, um, and you know he'd be in a situation where he, you know he may or may not get his chance again. So, you know, Warburton sticks with players. If he, if if he believes in you, even if you have a couple of sort of off games, you, you're not going to lose your place like you would have done under Rosler. Um, so, you know, he could be nurtured at Brentford, and um, I hope you're right, Bill. You know, I think his dad and then his agent and those people that are helping form his opinion are telling him that kind of advice. Then, uh, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be great for Brentford, but you know, more importantly for the player, you know, for his long-term career. And we clearly suit the way he plays, don't we? I mean, you know, he's a he's a small lad. Yeah, let's face that. Um, he's technically very very good. Um, he covers a lot of ground. Could you imagine? I mean, the worst thing would be is if you went to like one of these sort of, you know, sides, these big sides in the Premier League or, a, you know, a side of the championship with money and um, and just got lost. I mean, and, and I think somebody, you know, somebody put out on Twitter recently, you know, the thing about it is that there's two sides of this argument. Sometimes players have got to take a risk. They've got to take a chance. They say, look, I think I'm good enough. I need to go up a level or two. I think I can play at a higher level. But sometimes, you know, somebody put the names, they put Forshaw, Adiemi, Forrester, you know, um, uh, 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 Simon Moore, and they just put them down there and said, you know, listen, we're not having a go, but just have a look at these scenarios and just think if they stayed where they are, you know, they could be playing exciting football for a team which is actually doing business at the moment now, but they've made decisions that, you know, haven't quite worked out for them. And sometimes just because we're not the most glamorous side in the world, doesn't necessarily mean it's not the right move for you. They obviously didn't believe in the Brentford enough. You know, they should have stayed with the Brentford. You know, they were, they were, they had the carrot dangled in front of their noses. And again, you know, it has to be, it has to be underlined to players. The, the only way that you're going to achieve your potential is if you're in a first team. Um, there's no point in being in Cardiff's reserves if you're a goalkeeper. You know, that's not going to get you in the England team. You need to be in the first team and you, you will get your chance. And, uh, you know, it's about agents not trying to, you know, push push players on the whole time. Um, they need to be given good advice. And I'm not sure that a lot of these young players are getting good advice. And again, I know you've got to take opportunities while you're there. And, uh, and sometimes clubs aren't, you know, maybe as generous. And if there's a chance to double your money, you, you, you know, you're going you're gonna to be tempted. But really, it's about sort of consistency over the whole career, not just harvesting a couple of couple of good years and then being the non-league in five. It's it's you know it's it's looking at the long ball game. And look at the other things that's happening around the club this way. We also got announced that um, a game in January is going to be moved. It was warned a few weeks back that this game, the Middlesbrough game, 31st of Jan was going to possibly be moved from the 3 o'clock kickoff back to a 12.15. But they said, we won't know for three weeks or so. And they've decided today to move that game back to a 12.15 kickoff, which is great news for people who don't or can't make it to the ground. But it's not so great for people who are maybe have other plans, and for, especially for the Middlesbrough fans who probably have got to leave about 4 o'clock in the morning to actually get down there. Um, this is another... This is... You know, we're going to have to start getting used to this, aren't we? This... Uh, 
this moving of games and probably booking trains up and then going, oh, no, I've booked the train. What am I going to do now? Situation, uh, especially if you go to a lot of away games. That, uh, it, it's not, it's not the, you know, it's great for the club because they get an injection of cash, but it's not a great scenario for fans. And also 12 o'clock kickoffs are normally, the atmosphere is pretty dire, really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, and, um, you know, we could get, <laughs> not saying we will, but we could get promoted to the Premier League just in time for Friday night games as well. If you've been reading the press recently, um, I yeah, I, that is the one thing that really worries me about um, moving on um, as a club is that whole sort of not doing the three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon thing. Wasn't there a fact Tottenham's game last Saturday was their first Saturday game for nine months or something? You know, Look, Derby County, I think they've had two two Saturday games, three o'clock games this season. I think that's what it is, isn't it? That's crazy. You know, which is, you know, and, and then again, you might say that's the, uh, that's what you have to do when you're successful. But, you know, I think, the, you know, the, one of the things is that, you know, you got, if TV companies have got the contracts, you know, move it around, <laughs> move it around a little bit more. And uh, I mean, also the other thing is that, you know, we would say is that, you know, give us a bit more notice. And, you know, it's great for the first two or three months because those games get fixed in stone. So, you know, up until about November, you know, where you're at. But I remember when we booked our trains for Huddersfield, um, there was a possibility that that game could have also been moved to a 12.15 kickoff. So we ended up having to book an 8 o'clock in the morning train to make sure we got to Huddersfield for 11, just in case that was moved. So, you know, it's all right if you could do that and if it works out. But um, apparently, I was speaking to uh, my friend who's a Newcastle fan, and he says, by the time it gets to the last um, for two or three months, it's just like anything goes, and they literally can change a game at sort of seven days' notice or something like that. I don't know what it is, but it's ridiculous. So you could be have your plans locked down, then TV will go, oh, this is a massive game. We're going to move it to a 12 o'clock or, you know, not Friday night or whatever. And it's um, not fair. But saying that, Ofcom are getting involved because they actually realise that this is a bit of a situation. Um, and so Ofcom are actually getting involved in this whole scenario about this match moving and this scheduling of matches for TV stuff. So uh, this could be a positive thing for fans if uh, they decide that... Um, this isn't the right thing. I think Ofcom should get involved with the times that you book trains for full stop, Bill. You, it's 8 o'clock, it's a late one for you. I don't, <laughs> normally like 7.30, all of them. Um, I think it's the price I'll pay this year, a little bit of disruption. Um, it, it, it's, it's flattering that the, t, the TV wanna, they think we're attractive enough to, to have us on. Um, it's, you know, it's flattering that we're obviously at the right end of the table um, and they're actually using us in the, on the Sky package at the moment um, about, you know, uh, about the promotion promotion chances for the, the teams. And it's just amazing seeing Brentford players scoring goals in that shake-up. So um, <clears throat> for, for this season, I, I understand what you mean, yeah. It, it isn't right that the fans are kind of the last people that they think about in this decision-making and people have shelled out hard-earned money on trains and... Um, arrange their weekends months in advance to, to be able to get to games only to see, you know, and have to have to sort of pay out again for, for, for train tickets. But I think this year, it's, you know, they, they can mess me around as much as they want because that means we're in with a sniff of going up. And, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a, it's a novelty. Uh, I think it's part of us enjoying it this season. Um, I think you're right. I think, they, I think the authorities need to look at it, the, the, the wider picture but we're not going to change that this year. Like, I think we can support them in their inquiry and um, doing the right thing for fans in general, um, but uh, enjoy it while it lasts, I think. 
Right, we looked at the Blackburn game and we were looking at what's happening down at Griffin Park, but we're going to take a little bit of a wider look to see what else is happening in and around our league and around the Football League and in football in general. And Dave, I know that there's a game on uh, a couple of days ago which you took a bit of interest in, which was when Bournemouth played Liverpool. Yeah, um, it was, it was a, a cracking game. Um, very interested to see Bournemouth and how they how they sort of compared against Liverpool. You know, when when the FA Cup draw was made, I, I was thinking, oh, Liverpool is a team that I'd really like Brentford to play against at the moment. One because I don't think Liverpool's form is the strongest, but I, I think we really scare them. So it was interesting to see how Bournemouth got on, and, and Bournemouth, to their credit, you know, they they did scare Liverpool. The second goal um, was dubious, um, you know. So Liverpool were slightly fortunate to get into a two-goal lead. But Bournemouth missed some real, real good chances. They played some lovely football. They're very, very similar to Brentford in the way they, the way they play. Um, you know, great close control. They work their socks off for one another. Um, just, just no, no one really flaring the team particularly, but just all really capable, comfortable on the ball always looking for the not the predictable ball sometimes they're quite happy to come back and and um and to just keep possession um in back in the day brentford fans would have been screaming for the you know get rid or pump it long but you kind of you can see that um you can see that eddie howe's got a, a similar football philosophy um and, and it's, it's just it's lovely to watch and liverpool liverpool were was were, were a stronger team overall so they should be but um yeah, there was there was analogies between Brentford and uh, and Bournemouth, um, and uh, you know they they scored a scored a good goal and they hit the post and it could have been a lot closer. So uh, you know I, I was amazed to see that um, that Callum Wilson he did he, he didn't look that that great to be honest. You know there was there was a lot of there was a lot of talk about us being interested in Callum Wilson you know during the close season, um, and it, it looks like. We did well to avoid paying a lot of money for him, to be honest. Um, I noticed that Russell Slade in the, in the press this week is taking credit for tipping Eddie Howe off about Callum Wilson, but I'm, I'm sure that uh, Howe would have been aware that he scored like uh, 22 goals in 41 games last year. So um, I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure he was that un, un, unheard of. So um, yeah, but uh, I'm looking forward to the, the, the Brentford Bournemouth match because there was a cracker down at Dean Court. And I, I really think that, that this is one of the, the matches of the season that will be great to see us pit ourselves against because, you know, the, the, the football styles are similar. Um, there's a lot of respect for, for one another. Um, I think I think it probably could be one of the games of the season. I don't know what you guys think. I, I agree with you. I, I think there's another, I'll take it another step forward. There's no coincidence that when you see Eddie Howe and Mark Warburton interviewed, they come over as, like, very intelligent guys, know what they're talking about, interesting compare that to a lot of the other managers in the championship and you know you all you get is yeah well we didn't work hard enough or we did work hard or well done this well done that um and yeah so i am really looking forward to that game but i also think you know us two teams have really taken the league by storm because i think we play sort of very different football to what you see what else you see in the championship I actually expect the championship to be a bit more diverse than it is, but I'm actually seeing something similar every week. You get two big lumps at centre back. Um, you often get a big guy up front. There's, you know, I'm not saying it's completely route one, but it's, there's definitely sort of these sides that don't have the flexibility that um, we show every week, and 
you know, Bournemouth show as well. In the in terms of the movement, the players, they're not, you know, that these sides seem to have very rigid systems that maybe works at this level normally. We we really have thrown the cat amongst the pigeons, haven't we? You know, Bournemouth and Brentford. You you're absolutely spot on. It seems to be as almost like a guidebook. You know, how to survive in the championship. You must be big. You must be experienced. You must be X Y Z. Um, you must have monotone managers that aren't either respectful or aren't able to sort of change things around or play good football necessarily. You know, we've we've we really really it's not rocket science what we're doing. You know, we're not we we aren't a team of you know multi-million. We aren't actually Barcelona. Um, what we've achieved is it's been done with intelligence and contacts. And I think the other thing that is similar between Brentford and Bournemouth, and, I'm, and I don't want to tempt fate with Mark Warburton, but I think there's a, there's a, there's a stability. Um, I think Eddie Howe has obviously, he's done his wandering, um, and I think he's back and he, he's there long term. Um, the club know it, um, he knows it, the players know it. So there's kind of like a really really broad vision, a really long-term philosophy about football and how, how, how AFC Bournemouth are going to survive and how they're going to flourish. And I, and I see that at Brentford as well. I, I, I don't know, but I may be wrong. Um, Warburton may be tempted when uh, Brendan Rodgers gets the sack to, 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 to try his luck at Liverpool or something like that. But it, I, I just get a feeling that, there's, that they, they are all comfortable with the, the present and the medium to long-term future and because of that um and the players can't hold the man they can't play one they can't play the manager off they can't they can't it's it's a really healthy um vibrant and uh i think just uh you know just it's just that that underpins the great football it's a that that's a you know it's a great point about about these um you know when you think of warburton he's built this club hasn't he really you know, he's in the background, but a lot of the, all the players and everything. And I, there was a couple of Blackburn fans I got onto Twitter with who were, you know, saying, oh, if Warburton was manager at Blackburn, you know, they'd be better or whatever. And I said, you know, maybe not, because he need, he'd need time to get them playing his way, bringing in his players. It isn't as simple as just this manager turns up somewhere and does well. There are these managers that can motivate a team and get them going for a few weeks and stuff like that. But someone like Warburton, you know, I, I think he sort of built this team, you know, and they follow his ethos and the way they play football, and that's the real strength we've got at the moment. I mean, ethos, I think, is the word, which is, is, is the pertinent word here. It's, uh, you know, you talk about Warburton's ethos, but it's also a club ethos. And the fact is that it's obviously got to come from, you know, the owner, the ownership, you know, and basically where they see the clubs going. You see all these other clubs, and they can, you know, they could bring in any manager that they want to, but... You know, if the owner has got a certain vision as how he sees the club going, you know, if he sees them, right, you know, you need to be top of the league within six weeks. If you're not, I'm going to sack the manager again. It doesn't really matter what the, what the, what the manager's going to do because at the end of the day, it, it, it's been set out, you know, the past's been set out by the owner and the ethos. And I think that what happens here is, and this is something that doesn't happen in football a lot, is like forward planning, which forward planning that happens over a period of time you know, over two or three, you know, like normal big businesses do. They'll put, they, they, they put out a plan over three years or five years. And then what they'll do is they'll say, this is what the plan is and we'll stick to it. And, th you know, we'll, we'll bring in the right staff to do that because we believe in them and then we'll stick with them. And those staff will bring in their staff and then they'll stick with them. So you bring in someone like Warburton, you say, this is what the vision is. We'll stick with it. He'll bring his staff in. He'll stick with it. And that's what happens. And 
maybe because Brentford haven't got the resources as somebody like Leeds, I mean, probably not now, but, you know, Leeds or Nottingham Forest and, you know, all these clubs who've been FPP'd out, you know, Blackburn Rovers have. We've had to think more out the box on the playing field, that is, you know, on the playing areas, how we're going to go about our business. Whereas they've been going out just doing their same old thing, buying their big old players, buying their old tried and trusted, getting on the conveyor belt, getting them in there. And that's why, interestingly, when you get fans coming down to Brentford sometimes, like Blackford fans were really cool. You know, they were nice. They accepted the defeat relatively graciously, probably not as gracious as say the Wolves fans who just put their hands up because they saw us last season and said, listen, fair play, you guys. They said to us, okay, you know, you beat us. And then they said to us, oh, you blow up. They said something like, you know, what if you go up next season? We said, oh, it'd be ridiculous, you know, if we go up. And then they went, you can't go up next season. A tin pot side like you in the in the Chet in the Prem. And I thought that really sums it up. Like, you know, a tin pot side. I mean, A, Blackburn, when we played them in the cup before that, before Walker put his money in, they were, inverted commas, a tin pot side like Brentford were. So it's kind of like, you know, everyone can... Everyone could go to another level if what you're doing around the club is the right thing. And Swansea went from, you know, Division 4 to Division 1 eventually by creating an ethos, getting the right people involved, not necessarily spunking loads of money, and there they've gone. And I think with Brentford, exactly what you're saying here, um, we're potentially on that same path. I think yeah. the inspiration for a lot of these clubs as well is, you know, what happened at Southampton. Um what they put in place when they come down to the third tier, you know, this this kind of conveyor belt of, of players. And I know we're not we're not actually creating that conveyor belt, but what we are creating is a a vision around our club, you know, in the academy, start a brand of football, and, and it's all based around stability. And you know, and having contacts. And so, although Southampton lost a lot of players, and they will continue to lose players, as will we. You know, that's the that's the price of success um, for clubs for clubs outside the top five, um, you know, it's the ability to, to, to have the infrastructure to, to spot more talent. And we, we've got that. We've got, you know, we've got Weir and McParland and they're, 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 we're able to replace, I'm sure we're able to replace losing anyone. If someone were to come in in January and pick one of our great players, which, you know, it's likely, um, it's a possibility. Um, I'm sure we're looking at that scenario already and there's probably a list of players that could, you know, so we wouldn't be mortally wounded if we lost one. But the question, so the question I'm going to ask though, is: Is there a situation that you get to where all of a sudden it flips? So all of a sudden it's like you become that small club who, who trades really well and does really well, brings players in. Then you get to a situation maybe like we are, and then you're up there. Then all of a sudden the pressure is to do really well, and then you think, oh no, I've got to buy a big player, I've got to spend the money because that's what happens. I mean, that's what seems to happen with a lot of these teams. And where does that balance? I mean, I, I don't own the club, so I don't know. I mean, personally, I'd be sort of kind of it was me. I'd be carrying on doing the same old thing, but maybe there is a pressure at some stage to just kind of flip it up a little bit to, you know, to to to, to change things slightly. Don't you think? Uh, maybe there is, but I think we've seen enough clubs. We've seen enough boom and bust that I think if you've got any sense now, you're not going to go out and spend 50 million because you get promoted to the Premier League and buy a load of as-been 32-year-olds on big money, which I think we've seen endless clubs do. Um, and I'm sure clubs will do in the future, but I, I don't believe we'll do anything like that. I don't see it's Mark Warburton or Matthew Benham style at all to, to, to do that. I don't think they, they're followers of, of, of anyone else's um, <clears throat> uh, blueprint. 
and I, and I think we've got two clubs so close to home, in Fulham and QPR, that show just the wrong way to run a football club, and they they have been all were all that's bad about the modern game at the top level for for, for the last three or four years. Um, <clears throat> I, I just can't see the, the, the people in charge even being tempted to do that. I can I can see them going out. Um, and spending some money uh, in the transfer window in January if someone were to come in and, 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 and plunder one of the vultures came in and swooped from one of our one of our starlets. I could see them spending money if they if they thought that we were really in with a chance of going for promotion this year. I think this January is gonna be an amazing January. It really will show the intent and and the confidence that the you know that, that Benham and Warburton have had in uh, in our chances of promotion, not that you know they 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 are gambling men too. Quite obviously, they'll they'll take an educated punt. Um, they'll 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 be they'll be weighing this up, and I, I don't I don't think that they they'll they'll uh, assume that we're not ready. I, I think if, if they if they look at the points, if they look at you know the facts that you know we spoke about it on Saturday. Are there really six better teams than us in this division? Um, based on what we've seen, the answer is no, there aren't. Um, so we are in with a chance of promotion. I can't, you know, God, God, I, God, I hope I'm, you know, I'm right, but I can't see that changing. Um, so January is going to be an amazing month. You know, if we, if we can, if we can keep on to, if we can keep all our players together, um, and we we don't we don't sort of take a nosedive over Christmas. I think I think we will see someone come in. So, yeah, interesting times there for Brentford, Bournemouth, the Tin Pot United sides of the championship, apparently we are. But we don't mind that mantle if it means that we're playing good football and we're a community that just sticks together. But looking towards the weekend, we're playing Cardiff, team we haven't played for a while, team that we used to have some quite good battles with back in the day. And uh, Cardiff had just come down from the Prem. Um, they're under uh, a bit of pressure because of uh, the spending that they've done, F- FFP and all that kind of stuff. And also they've got a slightly mm, interesting chairman as well, who's been doing a lot of things that the fans aren't happy with. But listen, we're going to go over and we're going to chat to Mr. Ben James from View from the Ninian podcast. Um, he's going to tell us what's going down in Cardiff. You've got the Cardiff game coming on Saturday. And I've got on the line with me here, Mr. Ben James. From View from the Ninian, the Cardiff podcast. How are you doing, Ben? Yeah, not bad, mate. How are you? I'm not bad. Not bad. Had a fairly decent weekend, and I know that you had a bit of a rocky horror show down at Bournemouth, didn't you? Yeah, we did. I think, uh, yeah, in, in all senses of the word, we kind of, the team were a white kit that the fans didn't really, didn't really like. We conceded a goal in the first minute and ended losing the game 5 3. So I think. All round, it was a pretty uh, dismal weekend, really. You let in your first goal. It wasn't even a minute on the clock, wasn't it? And uh, yeah, it was, was 43 seconds to be exact. And was, was it all downhill from there? Because sometimes you know, get the early goal, but the team actually picks itself up a bit. But I think we know. just we capitulated. I don't think the team, you know, the team haven't been performing particularly well recently. And I think achieving the first goal as, as quickly as that kind of made their heads drop a little bit. And you know, we did go on to score three goals. And I think scoring three goals at Bournemouth is no mean feat considering how well they've been playing. But you know, we, I def- defensively went to pieces at the other end and conceded silly goal after silly goal, really. 
I mean, interesting, you'd be saying that, you know, you haven't been playing particularly well recently. I mean, looking around, but, you know, quite a few fans seem to be complaining about the style of football that you're playing. Um, what is it at the moment now which is not making people happy? Um, I think it's kind of, it's it's not the results that are coming in, it's, it's the style of football that we're playing, you know, and then Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, we, we did play a pretty fluid form of football, which fans didn't like that either, because many of the players didn't really seem to be know where, where they were playing, but since Russell Slade has come in, he's he's literally taken it back to basics, we've gone 4-4-2, our better footballers, you can kind of play football, Fabio and um, we've got a Norwegian bloke called Max Molodali, haven't had a look in, and we're playing very straight, very narrow, down-the-line football. Um, the players aren't very attacking. We don't look like we're going to score many goals, but we um, until Saturday we didn't like we conceded many goals either. So the style of football that Slade has brought in, whilst it has been effective at home, where I think we we he won his first five home games on the bounce, it, it's just not it's not pleasing to the eye, and it, it's causing fans a lot of kind of unrest and, and unhappiness. I mean, that's interesting you say that because um, uh, Blackburn came down last last weekend, and apparently they changed their style to accommodate us. And uh, instead of going two up front with Gustet and uh, Jordan Rose, they pulled Jordan Rose and put him on the bench and tried to pack yeah. out the midfield because that's basically where the most of our play comes. We play very similar to Bournemouth um, through the midfield. Yeah. Um, so do you think your man Russell Slade might take a different approach because it didn't work on Saturday? No, I don't think so. Um, he seems very stubborn in the way he plays. I mean, he's brought in... You know, we had Fabio playing at left back. He's a, a very flamboyant Brazilian left back, and he's replaced him with Matthew Connolly, who's not even left-footed, and probably really isn't a full-back. And he's just kind of playing. It's very. It's not really football, you know. We're just. We're, we're, we're not playing attractive football. We're not adapting to other teams, like you say, like like you know, like Blackburn did. We've had teams come down, and we just hope that we can. Our at the way we play is enough to beat them. And I think you know, especially with you guys going down, because you guys play really good football, really attacking football, we might struggle. Because if you play the game to us and you know you do pack out the midfield like you say, then we're going to struggle because we're just going to carry on playing four four two. Which is interesting. I mean, obviously Russell Slade knows us very well from last season. Um, there was a yeah. very very famous game which all the Brentford fans know and they'll know this story very well. But obviously you Cardiff fans don't know about it. Orient game yeah. was a key game for us last season. We had to beat them. If we beat them, basically yeah. we were going to go up. If they beat us, practically they were going to go up. We beat them one 0 yeah. at their place um, with ten men. It was absolutely fantastic. We had, you know, we had a third of the ground or something like that. It was mayhem, yeah. brilliant. And at the end, <laughs> Russell Slade said the infamous phrase, instead of congratulating, said they did very well, said, look at them. They celebrated like they won the FA Cup. And if anyone just Googles oh, on the God. internet, you'll see how that, how that has just gone on. That actually made our season. Yeah. We turned it into a chant. We uh, created uh, these FA Cups with Russell Slade's head on them, you know, all sorts of stuff. So it was very, very funny. So Russell's not going to be overly happy about the Brentford crew coming down on Saturday. Yeah. But it seems, that you're imagine, not, yeah. it seems that you're not massively happy with Russell, though. No, I think, you know, I think, and, and only going to Solskjaer, we were kind of, we were rudderless, really. We didn't really have a system in place. The players didn't look like they knew where they were playing. And when Russell Slade came in, he kind of, he brought in a new a regime of 4-4-2. And at the start, it kind of worked. You think, all right, he's going to play 4-4-2, steady the ship, then in a couple of weeks' time, he'll bring in the attacking edge and we'll try something different to kind of push on from there. But as it is, he's just kind of stuck with the same system, the same players. Whilst Ole Gunnar Solskjaer spent every week changing the team, Russell Slade is very kind of stubborn and doesn't want to change the team every week. So even if we're playing badly, like um, we, we played against Reading a few weeks ago, and even though we won, we were dreadful, but he kept the same team. So the, the players, you know, are kind of getting into this position where even if they play badly, they're not going to get dropped because 
the other players don't fit the system that Russell Slade wants. And I think he needs to learn that at a championship level, you know, it's a step up from League One. You can't do the same things you did at League One level because other teams around you are going to adapt and other teams around you have players that can cause you problems. And he needs to learn that he needs to take on a new tactical edge, I think. And moving, talking about moving Cardiff forward, or not as the case may be, uh, the word was on the street there was a bit of infighting between the fans on the terraces at Bournemouth on Saturday. Some of them were pro yeah. the Newbury brand and some of them were anti the Newbury brand. I mean, tell us what was going on there. Well, you know, since since Vincent Tan changed the kit three seasons ago from blue to red, there's been a lot of kind of infighting between fans. I think that there was a, a famous meeting a few seasons when the kit change first came in, where some fans who were pro the red kit kind of went in the meeting and bullied a few fans who weren't pro the red kit and told them if you don't want if you know if you don't want to support Cardiff in red, you might as well leave the club. And a lot of fans have left the club and and they don't follow the team anymore. And I think. Because on Saturday against Bournemouth, we wore our white, a new white kit instead of our, new, our away blue kit or a traditional blue kit. Which is quite like of, Swansea's kit, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. So there was a, a new edge of that, like why are we wearing white when that's Swansea's kit? Why are we wearing white when we should be wearing blue as other teams have worn blue at being caught this season? And I think it, the tensions kind of boiled over in the stands. And I think I don't think anyone is pro the rebrand as such. Which is, I think some people can see the benefits, although I don't think there are any particular benefits that it brought with. And some people can see why rebrand was necessary at the time, while others and a lot of others just still go along because they want kind of back in blue. And I think it just boiled over on the terrace and people were arguing about why it's a good thing, why it's a bad thing. And there were a few kind of um, unsavoury incidents, I believe. Our chief of the supporters club said that he'd never been so ashamed of supporting Cardiff City because of what he saw at being caught. But I know when sort of tensions are high sometimes, yeah. things like that may may happen. But I mean, the question I'll ask you, and it's a difficult situation to put you in, but he's come in, and I'm just being devil's advocate here, and he's saying, look, I'm putting loads of money into the club. Can't I have a bit yeah. of give and take? So, I mean, is there none of that going on? I think so, but I think Vincent Tan also needs to learn the art of give and take because um, when he came in, he he changed the kit from red to blue without fan consultation, uh, from blue to red to red without fan consultation, kind of shoved it upon us. And then when the fans protested, he said, OK, I'll, I'll leave the kit as blue, but I'm going to not invest in the club. You're going to have to find other investment. And then went ahead with the kit change anyway, despite fans' protests. So I think if he'd come in and said, I think that I want the red kit as an away kit, and we wear that where every time we go away, every time we can, but we always wear blue at home, most fans would have probably gone along with it. But the fact that he, he didn't listen to the fans, he did what he was doing on the win. Um, you know, f- fans do have to give a bit, bit of give and take, but when you've got an owner who's doing things without speaking to the fans, without consulting with the fans, it's, it's understandable that fans are going to get annoyed by it and be put off by it. And I think he's also kind of stalled on a few promises. He said, if, if we bring in the red kit, I'll bring in all this investment. I'll, I'll t- you know, I'll put in loads of money, but I'll turn it into, uh, turn the debt into equity in the end. At the moment, we owe him about 150 million pounds, and there's no kind of, there's no sign of him turning that debt into into equity. So the club isn't secure. So it's all, it's, it's a bit of a nightmare situation, really, because we're kind of at the point where we're pushing him away. He doesn't come to our games anymore. He doesn't seem to get involved with club affairs anymore. So if we push him away, he goes, right, I'm just going to leave. And he, we sell him £150 million. Pounds, we're potentially another Portsmouth. Yeah, that sounds quite like our Ron Dode situation to a certain extent because yeah. we had that when he was spending loads of money and we, it was, you know, we, we were all over the place at one stage and we yeah. had buckets outside the ground. Um, but, you know, saying that, you guys, you've got a couple of, of XBs in your side. I say XBs, I mean, being a bit cheeky, this one of them is actually a Cardiff player who we nabbed for a few months. Kadeem Harris. Um, Kadeem and Harris, his inclusion yeah. 
Yeah, his inclusion in the Brentford side last season, actually, when he came into the side and he played, came on as a sub against Colchester, and uh, yeah. he turned the game around. We were 1-0 down. He came on. I think he scored a goal. And after that, yeah. he actually won every single game that he played for Brentford. We went on like a four-month wow. unbeaten run. And uh, out of those, we pretty much won nearly every single game. And he won every single game that he played in for Brentford, if I remember rightly, other than Wolverhampton Wanderers, which we drew nil all. And then he got injured against yeah. Preston and he came back to you and we never saw him again. Yeah. But um, good little player uh, he was. Yeah, I mean, well, she's more than we have. He's been at the club for about three years. And I think he only made his first league appearance the weekend just gotten at Bournemouth. That's so right. Right. We, we signed him when he was 18. Um, obviously, he's been in the development squad for a bit. He went out to you guys on loan. But I think his inclusion in the squad on Saturday could be a, a turning point in terms of a new attacking intent. Because I think he's he looks like such a good player. He's quick, he's skillful, he's got an end product. He gets crosses in. That kind of that's what we're missing at the moment. And I think, um, like you say, he, he had a great spell at you uh, uh, for last season. And I think he's, if he can kind of recapture that form for us, he could turn our season around in a good way, really. I mean, I think Russell Slade obviously knows him because, I mean, he didn't actually play against Slade because uh, he came to us a few weeks after we played Orient when they beat us 2-0. But Russell Slade knows yeah. him and knows his reputation from Division 1, knows what he did, knows yeah. that he turned sides around, knows that people were just taking him out, knows that Preston, Preston actually hacked him. And that's the reason why he got his bad injury, which he left us. And uh, I think that he'd probably be looking at him doing the same sort of job that somebody like uh, yeah. Moses Odebaju did for Orient last season down at your place. So he's yeah. probably going to get a bit of a running because we did try and buy him actually we tried to get him um even bring him back even though he was injured because we thought if we keep him under our frame then we might actually be able to get him under our wing but you guys weren't up for letting him go which is a bit of a shame and uh also you've got simon moore goalkeeper simon moore who was a big big favorite at brentford you know but he hasn't made made many appearances has he no he was he came in last season um he came in the Premier League season. Obviously, we had David Marshall, who was an incredible keeper last season, so he was ahead of them. And I think he went out on loan to Bristol City. But he hasn't really... He's played in a cup game, I think, but he hasn't made the league appearance yet. But I like the look of him. He's a big keeper, he's strong. He looks like he's quite commanding. And I think he... You know, David Marshall, as much as he had a good season last season, isn't having a particularly good one this year. And I'd like to see him give him a go, really. Yeah, but he's uh, very popular. And it also, interestingly, because Russell Slade may give him a chance because there was rumours that Russell Slade was trying to sign him because they were desperately trying to sign a, se- a keeper towards the back end of the season. And the rumour was yeah. that Moore was going to go at the time he actually went to Bristol City instead. So whether or not they didn't have the budget or wasn't quite right, but it didn't quite happen. Of course, we were a bit disappointed because, you know, Simon Moore, we didn't want him to leave. And then for him to sort of yeah. end up at Bristol City and Orient for us was just a bit of a, I wouldn't say kick in the teeth, but it's like, what's the doing, really, Yeah. You know, you should have stayed with us. But um, lo- lovely bloke, Simon Moore. Absolute gentleman. Really, really nice bloke. And we all wish him well. He'll get a good, um, he'll get a good reception, actually, from the Bees fans when they come down on Saturday, if he's on the bench. So, Saturday, what can we yeah. expect? I know you've already told us about your four four two. You're quite restricted. You know, you're not playing that though. But what can we expect and who should we be looking out for? Um, well, I think we've got, we have got a strong defence this year. I, I, Saturday at five, we've got, you know, a couple of really good centre-halves, Sean Morris and we signed from Reading. We've got um, Scott Manga, who came in from uh, Lorient in France. And they're all, re- you've got a really good, strong defence. Very kind of, doesn't leak many goals against Saturday would stand in. But the, the problem is, we going forward, we're, not, we're lacking a bit of imagination. Whittingham isn't having the best season. Aaron Gunnison isn't having the best season. And our wingers seem to have kind of gone backwards a little bit. But um, I don't really know, there's nothing really to look for when we're playing because... 
His final football we played, like I said, is quite restricted. It's quite quite boring. I think we've got two good strikers when they're on form, in Kenwin Jones and Adam Lafondre. And I think we just need to start firing, really, because Adam Lafondre only scored once since he's come in. And Kenwin Jones, is, though he had a good start to the season, hasn't scored in a couple of games now. So, oh no, he, did, he scored on the weekend, but before that, he hadn't scored in a couple of games. So I think, oh, <laughs> It could go one of two ways. We could either play, you know, really straight down the line football that will bore you all to tears, that will get the win, or you guys are going to come out and come in and just completely overrun us in the field, and that's why we'll we'll be struggling. Score prediction, Ben. Uh, I think it's going to be close. I think you'll edge it two-one, and that's me being pessimistic. But I think we're we're in not in particularly good form. You guys are playing well at the moment. You're on the up, and I think you're you're going to take it two-one. I was just going to say, I should be more positive being a Cardiff fan, but I can't be at the moment. So. Well, listen, you never know, mate. It's coming up to Christmas and you never know what kind of gifts are going to be handed yeah. out. Like, you know, listen, Ben, yeah. thanks very much for talking to us. That's Ben from View from the Nidian podcast. You can get that on iTunes if you subscribe or you download it from iTunes. And also if you Google uh, View from the Nidian. Uh, what's, the, what's the URL? What's your, uh, your URL? For um, one, ben? If you go to twitter.com slash View from the Nin. View from the Nin on Twitter as well. And you'll be able to catch up yeah. on there. So listen. All right, mate. I'll probably catch up with you on Saturday. And have a good one. Lovely. Thanks. Yeah, you too, mate. Thanks very much. So that was Ben James from View from the Ninian podcast. And um, Ben wasn't overly optimistic about how his team's going to do on Saturday, which is, uh, I don't know if that's a good sign or a bad sign, actually. Um, what are you saying? Well, we've, <laughs> I always sort of, I have been thinking this season that, when you get teams that are on a bit of a down, um, you know, they're always going to turn it around at some point. But actually, we've sort of, you know, played Wolves when they were on a down, Blackburn a bit of a down. Um, so, yeah, bring it on. If they want to play 4-4-2, great. I mean, Cardiff on paper, they should be, like, smashing this league. And I remember at the beginning of the season, I think all bets are almost off. You know, I mean, there's them and Fulham. But I think for Cardiff, it was just like, if I remember rightly, he's like, boy, you're just you're you're going to be back in the Prem next season, and they just haven't done it at all. And I'm, I don't know whether or not it's because of this nonsense that's been going on with this the Vincent Tan and the bad vibes that's going on down there. And he got Solskjaer in, and then he got Solskjaer, you know, in and out and shaking it all about. And I I, I don't really understand why Cardiff are doing so badly this season, or, or maybe it's about what we talked about before. I think they're a bit like Wigan; they got on bonkers like running the place and um, they don't seem, you know, they, they get managers in and they get them out and all sorts. Um, I, yeah, I, I think it's, um, I can't imagine there's a great atmosphere at the club. It's another, another example of there was real momentum building at Cardiff over, over sort of three or four years when they went close to going up before. And um, <clears throat> so, so when, when, when it was building, it, it, you know, it was it was being run in a better way, and there was there was momentum. It's it, it, when it stopped working. Once the wheels have come off, um, it's it, again. It's it's a, it's a Wigan is a good analogy. Fulham's another one. It's it's it's, it's being run by someone who, who who's running the club all the wrong way. There's no 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 care or thought for tradition. The change from from blue to red. Um, you know, it's, it's it's just bonkers. It's absolutely bonkers and. Two two wrong managers, um, one after the other. You know, Slade's not not the right man for that job either. You know, he, he did a good job at Orient. You know, we all know that. Credit where credit's due, but he's not he's not ready he's not ready for taking Cardiff back to the 
to the Prem. You know, um, he he, ha- he needed to have got a team out of out of League One, which he, he didn't do. Um, <clears throat> he's, he's fortunate to be in that job, and um, I think we'll remind him of that fact on uh, on Saturday. That's right. I mean, you know, there's all the FA Cups that may be drug out of people's attics uh, at the weekend. But what was worrying, and, and, and Ben talked about it as well, is the fact that, you know, Cardiff are, you know, and this goes to show you how much they try to get that success back. They're £150 million in the hole, right, which is quite scary. £150 million, and they said that tan at the moment now, it's almost at the stage that they're, they're, they're scared of taking the piss out of him. And because if he walks away, then the club's just going to go down like Portsmouth. So, again, you've got this scenario where you try and chase success so hard and you just do whatever you can do. You spend the money, but it's not the right way to run a club. That's a dictatorship, isn't it? They, they really have sold their soul, you know, quite literally sold their soul. You know, the bluebird is just a little speck at the bottom of the badge, kind of just like a throwaway throwaway gesture and in the same way that the whole city are going to become the whole tigers it's it's it, you really do sell your soul to the devil when you have these foreign owners that come in and you they they're this perceived to be rich and you you put all of your chips on on red and <clears throat> hope it comes in and if it doesn't what are you left with if if, if you're lucky you're left with a football club, and, and if you're unlucky, you, you could go bust. And one of them, one of them could. Um, we we will have to see. But you know, it's, it's going to be tough on Saturday. Um, they they leaked goals at Bournemouth on um, last weekend, but they they showed they could score. So uh, you know, again, we go back to the Bournemouth analogy. Brentford would be looking at them, going, "We'll get we'll get amongst them." I could see us. I could see us really going for it on Saturday. They'd, they're, they're wobbly, um, and uh, you know the Russell Slade, the Russell Slade connection is kind of there's some serendipity about it. I, I think that you know it, it's a very different team, a very different club to the Orient last year. But I think he'll be nervous. I think I think Slade, Slade will be quaking. When when you when you say what you're left with, I tell you what you're left with. You're left with a load of players on decent money, a load of players that think they're stars. Looking at Russell Slade, going, who's this bloke? Which is Even Slade was thinking, who's this bloke when he when he got the job? He didn't look comfortable in it, I'll tell you. Yeah, but listen, we're gonna have to wrap this up now, boys. But as we always do, want to get a score prediction from each of you lot. Uh, I think we start with the Matt Allard first, because I don't think you've been first, have you yet, Matt? Maybe not. No. Well, okay. So prediction. Um, I don't want to be too big-headed, but um, let's say they're going to get one. I think we'll get two. Two one, please. Mr. Lane? Um, I will go for a 3-2 win. 2-1 or 3-2 to Brentford. Okay. And myself? I'm going to go for a 2-1 win. I think Brentford win 2-1. But I'm actually a little bit nervous about this game. And, I think, and, I'm, and I'm a bit nervous that they may actually get a draw or they may actually even beat us, which they're not expected to do. I, I fully expect us to win. But I'm a little bit nervous, and I, I hope we're going to go in there with the right attitude, which of course we will do, to actually get the right result. But I think that Slade's going to want to—he's going to want to get one over us, and I think that five-three is going to hurt them. So let's hope that we can pull it out of the bag. Yeah, we, are, we are due a draw. I was going to say, let's hope that the players don't go into it as confident, as cocky as me and Dave are. <laughs> That's right. Well, but listen. Cocky. Cocky. <laughs> 
listeners. This has been the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. Um, and uh, yes, had a good chat with the lads. So you can check us on besotted.co.uk. You can check our videos of Besotted 1992 um, on YouTube. And you can check our podcast on Audio Boom and on iTunes as well. Um, we're off to Cardiff on Saturday. Hopefully, we'll pick up another three points and then we'll go into Christmas and uh, we'll have some turkey. Enjoy yourselves. Come on, you bees. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.